1: I have the pleasure to be talking to Kyle Gillette about what the optimal leadership mindset might be if there is such a thing. Kyle Gillette is the owner of Gillette Solutions, a coaching and consulting organization that works with leaders of family-owned businesses to help them minimize stress and joy work again by helping them develop their people and improve processes to boost profits. He's the host of the Sage Mindset Podcast and author of Life Map, Building a Future When You're Lost in the Present. I love that title. Kyle Gillette, welcome to Your Superpowered Mind. Hey,
0: Kristen. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk about this stuff. It's a lot of fun to talk about.
1: Good. And I just love picking people's brains. Um and mindset is is my thing. So my first question is always, what superpower did you uncover as the result of mastering your mind?
0: Yeah. I, have you ever experienced where things just feel a little pixelated? If you think about like a web page or a website where the image is really pixelated and unclear?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What i found is that my superpower has to do with helping people take that pixelated picture about their thoughts, the goals that they have for themselves, the goals they have for the business, and making it high definition. I have this ability to to understand the, the truth of what someone's trying to get at and help them reveal that and then turn that goal, that plan, that mission into actionable steps. So, we take the confusing jumbled mess in their minds or in their in their brains, and we clarify it through, through lots of coaching, lots of questions, and then we're able to take smart actions to help them achieve what it is they're trying to achieve.
1: That sounds quite helpful, I would say.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's super rewarding because when when people achieve their goals, there's just something different about what that does for someone. It, it, it just perpetuates more and more achievement because they go, oh, wait a second. I was really confused about this thing, but now I'm not. Now I can pursue this other thing that seems difficult, but because I overcame this area and I have clarity in this area, I can now pursue this one. And then it just keeps on going and builds the momentum that we all love to experience.
1: Yes, that is so great. And I love that um, visual of a pixelated picture. What I what I often See it as often as like a, a tangle of knots in your head where you have all of these different threads that you're trying to follow, but they're so tangled up you just can't and you end up in a big knot. So uh, it's that's a different visual. So,
0: yeah, I, so. I totally explained it that way too. and and you can't see me, but I was nodding my head vigorously in agreement with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: it's like it's gonna almost having been, one of those people with those tangled thoughts. It's it's what oh, yeah. it felt like.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: Yes. So, you know, I the way I I went into this is wondering if there is sort of an optimal leadership mindset. You work with business owners or the people who are running businesses, and do you see that there's a a, a certain way of interacting. With life and their situation that actually sets them up to succeed or does it depend? That's a big question.
0: (laughs) Sure. Yeah. I mean, I have my own framework that I use with my clients that I help them to kind of adopt. Uh, I think that there's a bunch of different approaches that will work for people. I I really do. I just, I have my own approach that works for my clients. Uh, So, I call it the sage mindset is the approach that I use with with the businesses that I work with in terms of the the personal side of it, the the leadership growth and progress and all that. But it also translates into the business as a whole. So in my own way, I believe that the method that I use is very effective and it's very effective for most people,
1: great. And so, well, I do find that lots of people, if you can, if you can simplify, the, well, this jumbled mass that is often our thoughts and our visions and give a, a process to take people through, it is so helpful on, on figuring out where to turn and what to pay attention to next. So what what's involved in your process? I don't want you to give away your whole thing if it's something that's kind of a secret, but like, what generally do you do? with people.
0: Yeah. So the individual versus the business is a little bit different. So I'm going to focus on the on the individual because since I primarily work with family-owned businesses, I'm working with the business owner. And the way that they lead the business is the culture of the business. The way that the the way that they lead and the hangups that they have and the the strengths that they have is, is really reflected in the business. So I call it the SAGE mindset. And SAGE is an acronym for self-awareness, accountability, growth, and empowerment. And my theory is that all great leaders are sage leaders. And what that means is they, they are obviously self-aware, but this means that they're aware of, of their own emotions, their own instincts, their own giftings, their own limitations, but they're also aware of how those instincts, uh, limitations, strengths are impacting those that they're leading. And then they're aware of how those that are le- those that they are leading are interacting with them. So it's really kind of the EQ side of the equation. So very, very emotionally intelligent and working towards more self-awareness. What are my hangups? What am I struggling at? Where, where am I limited? And who can I surround myself with to create a better team, to create a better version of my leadership, a better version of my business? So that's the yeah. first piece. Good. It-
1: And you know what, I'm going to stop you because we do have to go to break really quickly. Um, But I am going to do hang on to that and come back to it. Because what I love is it's, I haven't heard a lot of people talking to leaders, okay, what are your hangups? You know, what are your, your weaknesses? Um, And of course, that would show up. So thank you for pointing that out. Before we go to break, where can people learn about you and your company and your work?
0: Yeah, you can find me at GilletteSolutions.com. And then I also have a podcast and it's called the Sage Mindset Podcast. You can check me out there. But the best way to reach me is definitely GilletteSolutions.com.
1: Great. Thank you. Hang on, people. When we come back, we're going to talk a bit more about uh, developing the optimal leadership mindset.
0: In step two, you learn with us by watching one of our inspirational videos each week from the IM series. And when you're ready, come grow in community. Our superpower programs offer a unique experience for those ready to harness their superpowers to change themselves, their lives, and ultimately, the world. Go to SuperpowerExperts.com and take the next step on your path today.
1: Welcome back, everyone. I'm talking to Kyle Gillette about leadership and his process for helping leaders um, become better leaders. And he's walking us through his SAGE process. We just went, he just explained self-aware. So where do we go after that?
0: Yeah, so if someone this this piece, the self-aware piece is is foundational. So you kind of start there. And then the other three pieces come together pretty much simultaneously and in different intensities depending on the person. But the next step, after you you've kind of established more clarity around who you are, your limitations, strengths, et cetera, then you need accountability. Uh, you need to have that support in your life to create. Uh, continued growth, to create continued self-awareness and what happens with the growth that happens, the empowerment that happens and the uh, hangups that you experience as you become more self-aware, you have to do work on it. You have to progress and you you need to make those changes, but people are afraid of change. I'm afraid of change. I don't know if you are or not, Kristen, but most people are. And so, accountability is the key to get through that. And what I teach is a, is what I call the accountability pass, which is a way for people to become more accountable because ultimately, yes, we are accountable, period, ourselves. I'm accountable to me, period. That That's who's responsible. But there's ways to improve in this. There's ways to create even more chances of success in the efforts that you're trying to make. So I'll briefly go over the pass. Uh, P stands for passive accountability. And it's the simple idea that you, you bring people into your life or you already have people in your life that you share the goals that you want to achieve or the changes that you want to make or the new patterns that you want, new habits, whatever you want to call it. And you just tell them about it. You you share it. I mean, Kristen, how many close friends would you say you have?
1: Close friends? Yeah. I don't know. Really? Like four, maybe?
0: Okay. So if you told four of your close friends that you're trying to accomplish something in your business, in your life, whatever arena, do you think they would come back to you over the course of the next two, three weeks and ask you how you're doing with that?
1: Yeah, they would. Definitely. So
0: that's passive accountability right there. You're telling friends that you trust, that you like, that like you, and you're just telling them about what you intend to do. You're sharing your story. You're sharing your dream, your goal, whatever you want to call it with them. And then they're going to come back. And so that's going to be like, that's going to be this reminder to go, oh crap, <laughs> I said yeah. I was going to do that. I better stay on top of it. Yeah. Then the next piece is is much more challenging and much more purposeful. It's active accountability. So passive is just sharing, but active accountability is reaching out to one or two close friends that you really trust and saying, hey, Susie, Billy, Joe, whatever, I want to double the income in my business, for example, or I want to change the way that I'm leading or I want to stop smoking or whatever the habit is, mm-hmm. whatever the goal is, you tell them and you say, can we meet up or can you help me to achieve this by just having a simple conversation with me every week or every other week? And if they say yes, then you offer it back to them as well. So that's, that's the active accountability piece. Mm -hmm. then the next one is stuff. So passive active stuff. So this is the idea of if you want to create a gym habit or get in better shape, the stuff would be, you set an alarm, you sign a contract with a a personal trainer, you sign up for a, a video workout program, you put your gym bag in front of your front door to remind you to go, you have your phone that reminds you so on and so forth. So it's the things in your life that remind you to, to stay accountable to what you committed to. And lastly, it's yourself. So the three combined create a much level, much higher level of accountability within yourself.
1: Yes. And I can imagine, I mean, that's where so many of us, I mean, that's why there are so many books on habit forming, right? Because it is hard to change what we have been, uh, you know, sort of trained ourselves to do. And what I'm wondering is, do you find how, what kind of stuff gets in the way of people sticking with their accountability? Like, because I'm sure that's got to come up for you. You know, what kind of stories or hangups or you know limitations do do they have that makes it a little bit harder?
0: There's fear, uh, fear that they that this change is something that they. Um, they're just afraid to make that change because it makes them a different version of themselves. It's a, it's an evolution. This is the biggest one. I think that people are, are afraid to sometimes just become a better version of those of themselves because it's unknown. <clears throat> the visual that I like to use is change is, is like climbing a mountain or you, you climb a mountain and you get up to this peak and it's just, it's amazing. It's a ton of work to get to that peak and get the beautiful view. And it, and it it's, wonderful once you get there. And there's all kinds of things that happens in that process. And then you go climb back down and and life gets fairly back to normal. But that peak still exists. That change still exists. But most people experience change as a cliff. They climb up this this edge and they start climbing up this mountain-like thing. And they think the top is a cliff that they're just going to fall off of because it's unknown. They don't know what's on the other side. So, it's very scary. So, a lot of it is, is fear uh, another piece of it is the the busyness that we all say that we're all so proud of is that we're so busy. When people ask the question, you know, how are you doing? How's business going? Oh, I'm busy. Well, it, it's this badge of honor that distracts us from the more pertinent, more important things. So instead of focusing on the things that they're trying to be accountable to, the new self awareness, the growth they're trying to pursue, we get busy, and we're busy doing what? I'm not sure. But when you lose that accountability, then the busyness takes over and it feels good because you're doing something, but you're not necessarily achieving what's most significant.
1: Yes. And I bet that is where it's um, very helpful, your initial planning of really honing in on what is it that's going to move you forward, that's going to move the business forward and Sometimes it's so much easier to do the busy work than it is the stuff that involves selling or or leading other people in uncomfortable situations or conversations.
0: Yeah, we have to pursue being uncomfortable. We have to pursue discomfort. Uh, I was talking to a buddy about, we were talking about joy, and he was making the comment that find, you know, seek out joy, find joy, because that's important. And, and, and you want that. And we need that. And then I made the comment that, yeah, that's 100% true, but I think the other side of that coin, and it's still a positive side of the coin, is seeking discomfort because when you seek discomfort in your growth, in awareness about yourself, in your business, in your leadership, et cetera, the other side of that discomfort is a new, higher, a new and higher level of joy and a new and higher level of awareness and a better mindset, et cetera, et cetera. And that can be a really powerful thing, but discomfort is uncomfortable, which is why the accountability is so key to the progress that we need to be making.
1: Yes, and that you know, that is really a big a mental shift for people to make. I remember when i even I realized it that sort of, it's not bad to be uncomfortable, right Like actually, and I, and the funny thing is that one of the ways i really learned it was through physical mm. fitness and activity because i discovered that i could push myself really hard and i was okay like really hard and yeah. and it i felt really strong after it sure i might be tired for a bit afterwards but um and it was sort of seeing it in that, you know, physical realm that I started to transfer it more over into my business area. Like I yeah, can that's handle so, that discomfort.
0: Yeah. It's so good. I'm in the middle of a eight day streak of doing a beach body workout program. And it's, it's hard. I'm sore. And I've been sore for the last five days, but I'm going to do it right after we, we meet here and do my ninth day in a row because it is, dis, it is uncomfortable, but, it's doing a lot more for me. The pain is, is nowhere near as good as the result that I'm getting from it beyond the physical, even like you're saying.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It really is. It's like, okay, so this is uncomfortable. Okay. I can survive that. I can. Yeah. I can do that. Yeah. So what do you, what do you think? You know, you've, you've spoken to a couple of things like fear and busyness, but what else mindset-wise, gets in the way of people being effective leaders?
0: Well, you know, there's the classic imposter syndrome stuff where you don't believe that you have the intelligence or the the experience or the know-how to, to achieve what you're trying to pursue or to attract the people you're trying to attract to your business, mm-hmm. uh, whether they're employees or customers. Uh, and, and I think... People get hung up on what they don't know, rather than looking at what they do know or looking at who they are. Uh, people, you know, especially in the service industry, people buy the the person that's selling. They don't buy the service; they're buying the person that's selling. But in the product industry, that's not quite the same. So, it, it's about taking a step back and going, "This is my history. This is these are my experiences." And every single one of those pieces of your history and your experiences add to your leadership. So, for example, in my life, uh, I used to, so I grew up on an orange farm in the Central Valley of California, and that was my work ethic. That's that's how I grew up. That's what I learned was family business in that context. And then I went off to college and learned about kinesiology and what it is to, to understand the body and and became a personal trainer for a season. And then I got into um, a men's mentoring program. And in that program, I, I got to lead young men that were off track, 18 to 25-year-olds, and they could be easily labeled as unleadable just because they had drug and alcohol histories they had never had a job they're kind of jerks mm-hmm. <laughs> in a lot of cases but that history allows me to do an excellent job with my clients and it's not directly transferable to you know a construction business it's not directly transferable to an architecture firm or accounting firm or whatever but the situations that those leaders are in, my experiences matter and the insights that I got from them are helpful to ask great questions. So, people, I want to encourage myself and you and the people that are listening to look back at your history. What are the lessons that you learned in your work history and your personal history? Because those will help you to overcome those those fears and overcome those things that prevent us from moving forward.
1: Mm, yeah. So right. I know, you know, working with I work with a lot of entrepreneurs myself. And yes, there's very much this feeling of being a fraud. Right. People are gonna figure it out. And so what I hear you saying, and tell me where I'm wrong, is to to shift the focus to what you have learned and who you are, what you have to offer, just in being you,
0: yeah, and this is why self awareness is so important because you can be aware of your past, your present, what you want for your future, and and the limitations and strengths, etc., that that are in all of that, so that you can you can then proceed forward with without being concerned with being an impostor because you're aware of who you are and you're aware of when you start to feel like a fraud because you've stepped out of who, who you genuinely are.
1: Right, right. When you're so, for example, running.
0: I'm working with the construction company, and the business owner, uh, he's he really struggles with accountability, and so we were having a discussion around it, and as a result, his whole company is struggling with that. Now, they're not unethical by any stretch of the imagination. They're very ethical and they're doing a good job. But there's a lot of things that are loose in the company when it comes to deadlines and whatnot, because he doesn't have that accountability and he's aware of it, but he's a little afraid to step into accountability. Well, as soon as he steps into it, his business and the efficiency of it and the profits of it will dramatically change because he's embracing being accountable. And then everybody else is going to follow because he's going to have the integrity to make them follow because he's, he's setting the culture.
1: Yes. And so that's what interesting of what you're saying is how much, um, the characteristics and strengths and weakness of a leader actually shape the rest of the company.
0: Yep. Yep. And if it's a really, really big company, then you're talking about the team versus the company. Right. You're talking about that that leader's team instead of the whole organization.
1: Yeah. So what about people? So let's say, you know, I'm sure a lot of the people who listen to the show are not necessarily business owners or they might be solo entrepreneurs. And, you know, what kinds of questions Could they start asking themselves to, to, um, to step into being like, okay, I'm going to, I want to show up as a leader, just even in my life.
0: Yeah, I think that one of the key questions is, who who do you want to be as leader? What type of leader do you want to be? Mm -hmm. So, for me, I'm a very relational leader. I'm a very the way that I run my business, the way that I work with my clients work with my employee is it's very relational. So do you want to be a relational leader? Do you want to be a direct leader? So a little bit less hands-off, more task-oriented leader. Uh, I, I, when I think about that question, I think about the the DISC. Um, nah, it's not a formula, but the, the DISC profiles. Have you, have you heard of DISC, Kristen?
1: I have, but will you explain to people what it is? I've not actually done it myself. Okay.
0: Yeah, so DISC is a big piece of what I use to help create self-awareness. People. But DISC stands for dominance, influence, steadiness, and conscientious. And it's the idea that there's four primary emotions, four primary people types that that we all express. And then they, they show up in a, in a combination, but typically two or three of them stand out stronger. So, just very briefly, the dominant style is, is task-oriented, fast-paced, and uh, direct, bottom-line oriented. Mm-hmm. So, that if you want to lead like that, if that's your personality, then lead that way. Don't go against your personality. Then the I style is influential. They're, they're also fast-paced, but they're people-oriented. They're a bit more intuitive and in feelings and emotionally oriented. They're the high opinion type person and the cheerleader in a way. So, if that's you, then you lean into that personality, that leadership style. Then you have the steady, which is the slower paced, the more deliberate, the inclusive, collaborative style of leadership. Uh, that likes to create safety and consistency in their context. If you lead like that, then lean into that and lead that way. And then, of course, the last one is the conscientious, which is more of the data-driven, logic-driven, task-oriented, and analytical. So, as a result, they're going to be slower paced. So, if that's your style, then you lean into that. And if you find that you're both styles, like I'm a D and an I, or an I and a D, then you lean into both styles. But to try to be something you're not as a leader is just dangerous. So, for those that are on their own as a solopreneur or they're leading a very small team, this is still totally applicable because you're leaning into who you are as you interact with your clients or that one employee you have. And it's genuine, so you don't have to fake it at all. It's just who you are. And if people understand that this is your style and you're not a jerk (laughs) about it, then then they get it. And you can also understand their style by just kind of evaluating uh, their personality and then making adaptations towards them.
1: Right. Well, because that's what's coming up is, you know, so let's say you're a very D style and your biggest helper, you know, your assistant, whatever, the next in command is a steady. Yeah. You know, how do you do that? (laughs) I guess you have to just become aware of each other's types and what you want, or how do you, how do you do that?
0: Yeah, it's, it's about dialect. So everybody speaks their own dialect in leadership and in communication in a workplace or in a home too. And so the dominant styles dialect is that fast paced, direct type. And the steady style is that slower paced, uh, deliberate approach. So if me as the dominant understands that their dialect Leans the other direction. The the thing that I can do, the one thing that I can do. So if you're a dominant and you're listening, the one thing you can do is pump your brakes. Just slow down, buddy. (laughs) Slow down just a little bit. And the steady style is going to be able to keep up with you because they're extremely amazing as supportive people and they can be extremely amazing leaders as well. But the steady style in turn needs to speed up a little bit too. If that's the only thing that changes in that relationship, it will make a huge difference. It's phenomenal. And it's not that hard to just tell yourself to slow down a little bit or tell yourself to speed up a little bit and adjust your habits slightly in the context of the relationship with that person.
1: Yes, I could see how that would be. This would be would be helpful with, um, with parenting.
0: 100%. My kids, three kids... Three different personalities. <laughs> yeah,
1: so so, for sure. so different. I know, so crazy. Um, <clears throat> surprisingly, okay. Well, that is really. Um, it's fun. That sounds fun. It
0: is. That's I love crazy. that, and people people love to learn about themselves. So it's an it's an easy sell <laughs> to have people take one of those assessments because they just it's really enjoyable to learn more about yourself because. It's guaranteed to produce valuable fruit, valuable results. The more you know yourself, the more you're going to get results in your life and in your business. It, it's just inevitable and profitable, which is great.
1: Yes. And, and what I love to what you're doing, which it's, you know, it's different from what I do is really helping people hone into, well, not only who it is that they want to be, but who it is that they truly are and their, and their best aspects.
0: Yeah. And embrace it. And don't of be ashamed. Course. A lot of people get a little bit hung up on who they are. They don't like that. They're so analytical. Mm-hmm. You know, we, this culture really pushes towards the dominant style of leadership, the dominant style of personality. Yeah. And there's a lot of shame that the steadies and the conscientious and sometimes the influence styles bring with them. And that's, that's just lies. That's that's silliness because, we we need all the styles to function properly on a on a on a team and an organization, but also as a society.
1: Yeah, really true. We can't all we can't all be leaders.
0: No, no, and and you can lead from any of the styles, but it's true we can't all be leaders, and so we need the different approaches right. to be effective.
1: Yeah, it's it, uh, this is a, such a non sequitur, but my daughter is one of them is applying to colleges and had to fill out a form, and it was like, how are what are all the ways you know, that you've been a leader in your life, you know, tell all about it. And she's sitting there and I'm looking, she's an awesome kid, super brilliant, smart. And we're like, you know what? She's not really a leader. She's like, Hmm. she has not sought out being a leader, but she's a really, really, really good participant.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it was, but it was really hard because it was assumed you were going to say I'm a leader. And she's like, I just can't. And I'm like, I agree, you're not. She is in the way, in the force of her will, but not in showing up in groups. So anyway, it was very funny. Kind yeah, of. there's
0: there's different ways to lead. Lots of leaders of organizations don't really project leadership in the traditional definition. They more project it by ethic, work ethic, and integrity and, and uh mindset and approach. And sometimes that's really what the team needs. Other times we really need leaders like that to kind of be a bit more direct and everything. But, yes. um, and the opposite's true for the leaders that they're not aware enough to realize that their directness is actually hurting things.
1: Yeah. Ah, very cool. Well, this is fun. And that's actually, it's, it's really good to think about just in terms of your own personal life and how you're showing up as yeah. a person percent in your business and in your work. Thank you. Can you remind people again where they can find you and learn more about all this?
0: Yeah, visit GilletteSolutions.com to find me. And uh, there's a link there. You can schedule a conversation with me. I'd love to chat with you and learn about your business and what's going on with you.
1: That's awesome. Thank you, Kyle. And listeners, thank you for showing up for yourself. And until next time, go out and remember that you do hold the power to change and transform your world.